You're listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners, as always, I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. Today, we're joined by a dear, dear friend of mine that, and also my co-host of the Red Stick RIA meetup, uh, John Roberts. Welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Sterling. I'm happy to be here. Long-time listener. Uh, never thought I'd actually be on the show, so uh, <laughs> no, I'm happy to be here. I also forgot to mention he is my uh, CPA as well. So, um, John, super excited to have you on and um, really, really, you know, excited to have you in my life as a friend and, and, a, and a colleague and, and somebody to work with and bounce ideas off of and uh, happy to have you on the show and, and kind of get a different perspective um, as somebody who uh, just kind of is, is, you know, what do you have? Six, six properties now? Yeah, that's right. right. Five and, and one under contract. You know, I started investing in June of 2020 with a turnkey deal. And, you know, since then, pretty much every property that we've done has been a burr. And it's funny because leading up to actually meeting you and, and actually getting in the mix of, of the local real estate, you meet up groups in, in place at a time, and then also meeting other investors. I didn't think birds were possible where we live. I have a good friend in Atlanta who who has been doing it for years, and you know I had such a uh, scarcity mindset to not realize what was in front of me that there were a ton of really successful investors already you know, doing birds in our, in our in our area, and so I was able to you know go to these meetups and uh, and meet the players, the movers, and the shakers, and 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 learn the ropes and and just replicate it. Yeah, absolutely. So when did we meet? Had had you done your first property when we had met? I think for, for our listeners, John is, is as I said, an accountant and he worked with my, my mom. And uh, I think one of them overheard the other one talking about real estate investing. And she was like, oh, well, you should listen to my son's podcast. And uh, that's how we got to know each other. And now we're, we're really close friends. But um, where were you at in your, I don't recall, had you started buying properties at the time yet? No, I had not. I had not. So you and I met in late 2019. I got serious about learning, re- learning real estate, I would say in 2018. Um, as you mentioned, I was in public accounting previously. And one of my niches was credit unions. So one thing that we would do in audit would be go in and, and look at their loans and determine if the borrower's credit worthy and if they had the ability to pay and were they paying timely, you know, ultimately were they good assets, were they good loans to the bank or credit union. And I'd see this, this huge five million dollar line of credit secured by 80 properties in parts of Baton Rouge that I'd never heard of. And I thought, man, there's got to be something to it. So of course, you know, my inquisitive mind, I'd Google these properties and I'd see what they look like. And I'm like, man, you know, that property is worth $200,000 and it's, you know, a three to 1200 square foot house that was built in the sixties. And so um, I would see the returns that were coming to these, these landlords and how they were able to service the debt, you know, because they had to give the rent, rent rolls to the bank. And of course I had the inside scoop from that point. So after that, I, I started to look at it on a more macro scale. You know, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, of course, and then I read, you know, Gary Keller's Millionaire Real Estate Investor. 
and I got involved in Bigger Pockets. And it was about that time that I met some really awesome people, much like I met you. You know, I'm a big believer in the law of attraction and that you know what you put out into the world will come back to you. And uh, it, it came it came out to where I would tell my friends who were all pretty high achievers in their own right, you know, that I was interested in investing in real estate. And they said, oh, well, you got to meet so-and-so or, you know, so-and-so from college does that. Why don't you reach out to him? And so I did. So I started reaching out to all of these people who, you know, I saw from afar and I saw that they were doing really well. And I just came to them, you know, kind of vulnerable and said, hey, you know, I see what you're doing. I'd really like to emulate it. You know, can you teach me? Is there something that I could do for you in return that, you know, would would make this a little more equitable? And, you know, that's how you and I met. You know, your mom overheard me talking on the phone about real estate to someone. And she, you know, at the time, you, I think, had maybe four or five properties, which just goes to show the, the speed of your trajectory, you know, in late 2019. And, you know, you and I met and, and you know, we talked a lot about mindset and, um, you know, and, it's important too, I think, for, for, for new investors to understand that nobody does it alone. You know, you look at somebody out there just crushing it. And, you know, you, you look at them and you say, man, well, what's wrong with me? Like, what do they have that I don't? But the fact of the matter is, is they have a team behind them or they had someone who gave them their first break. It could be their lender. It could be a mentor. It could be someone who showed them the ropes, you know, who took the time like like you did with me or like my buddy Assis did with me just to, um, you know, learn vicariously through someone else. And so the only difference between a high achiever that you see on Facebook just crushing and then someone who's not who's, you know, just stuck in their ways is the ability to get out and meet people and to talk to people on the phone and and really be vulnerable uh, because at the end of the day, nobody does it alone, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's why we started the meetup. And, and I'm so glad we did. And I'll give John credit because I didn't want to do it because I was busy. And, and yeah, you know, Lexi asked me, yeah, Lexi, my, my wife um, asked me today, you know, she said, uh, does Sterling, do you guys actually get anything for, for starting, you know, for doing the meetup? And, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a lot of effort and there is some, some money involved in terms of renting the room and stuff like that. And I said, yeah, but what we're getting out of it will manifest itself in two, three, four years from now. Um, you know, I've already got people coming to me asking me to be their mentor and I'm proud to do it, you know, thinking that I'm not really that great of an investor, but I know people who are, but it, it affords me the opportunity to maybe buy a deal that they might not have the opportunity to buy themselves at the time. You know, they might have two or three fall in their lap and they pass one to me. And, um, you know, it's it's a scratch my back, you know, I scratch yours, you scratch mine type of a relationship. And and that's really life, man. It's um it's it's all a relationship game. And it's really cool to finally kind of find my path in terms of you know, meeting who work hard, don't make excuses, have extreme ownership, and just find a way. Because that's really what entrepreneurship and real real estate investors are, you know, they're just problem solvers and, and they don't quit. 
So it's funny. It's funny that Lexi just asked you about that because you know I was thinking about this this morning because I spend a good amount of my time just pouring into other people and helping people that really have nothing or any capacity to repay me, you know. And but I'll I'll tell you the observation I've made over the years in doing so. Um, and the observation I've made from interviewing several other super successful investors is that the universe likes that shit. And, yeah. and I don't have a, I don't have any quantifiable evidence to, to say like, Hey, this is the return you'll get by helping others and stuff. But I can certain like I say that, but I, I really do, you know, and I do get a lot, like, I can't tell you the number of deals I've been sent from people at those meetups or people that know me from the podcast. I can't tell you how many people have passively invested in my my apartment syndication projects that started off that you, you know, and, and other people that that I didn't really think had anything at the time, but they just reached out. Hey, I want to learn more about investing. And, and then after we got to talking, well, actually, yeah, I've got this other money sitting in a 401k that I rolled over that I'm not doing anything with. So it it's or we've we've partnered on deals or you know what I mean? It, it comes back in a, in a lot of different ways. So, I mean, it's you you don't always know how it's going to do it, you know, how it's going to come back to you, but it usually does. I, I noticed the same phenomenon with like with sales, with my day job when I was selling, you know, telecom equipment was like most like 90% of my sales came from like customer service, some type of fixing somebody's issue that like, I had no, you know, like I didn't expect them to buy anything. Like they had a problem with their rate plan and I'd go fix it. And they, Hey, you know what, while you're here, you know, we've been thinking about, we got this other location and it's just always something like that. It's like, I've never read the book, but I hear enough about it. It's like the go-giver effect where you, you know, you, if you, and, and Zig Ziglar was a big one. If you help enough people get anything they want, you can have anything you want, you know, but it's, it's in, in real estate investing. And I, I'm sure with every, with every industry, it works the same way, but I, I just, I've seen it. Um, this is very, very much a, a people business and a team sport and, you know, where you're going to get the money and where you're going to get the deals. And, and, and um, there's, there's really no other way to do it. And, and I'm really glad you twisted my arm into starting the meetup because I think it's got a tremendous amount of value, even if it's not direct, um, directly obvious today. I think, you know, to your point in two years, you'll look back and go, holy shit, uh, thank God I did that. Yeah. And I think, too, it, it's one thing where, you know, it's the people. OK, it, it's the people who you meet who are also go givers. And who also have the capacity to really make moves. Because at the end of the day, you know, nobody wants to be rich and sad. You know, people want to be rich so that they can spend more time with their family and more time with. And so by nature, that is a social um, that's some some social, um, I guess we want to be social beings, is what I'm getting at. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, you could have all the money in the world, but no one to share it with. What's the point? So the 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 whole idea of you know the law of attraction to me is simply putting yourself in a position to where others see that you're willing to give more than you than you ret- than you get back in return at that particular time, and being on the same wavelength, you know, the same energy to say, man, that guy is humble. You know, that guy lives for others. And that guy is someone who I know is going to have my back if I need him. 
he's not so self-centered that, you know, the minute something goes wrong, he's going to stab me in the back. And so, you know, life is very much a team game. And, you know, I've been really blessed to, like I said earlier, always be surrounded by high achievers, you know, like just growing up, even in high school, you know, one of my best friends, Aldo Russo, um, he's an entrepreneur and, and he really um, inspired me to break out on my own with my own accounting firm and things of that nature. And, you know, people like my dad who are entrepreneurs and, you know, when I was coming up, you know, we, we've had this conversation before. Uh, I used to travel a lot for work and, and we'd see that, you know, 40 something, 50 something executive, you know, sitting in first class with the jacket, trying to make a red eye on a Friday evening, you know, suckers wear suits. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and I wanted to be that guy. And, uh, you know, I worked my way up through public accounting and then I wanted to be CFO and, and now, you know, just seeing how much opportunity there is out there for, for someone who even has the itch to go out on their own and do their own thing. Now, I love the entrepreneurs, like, like the CFOs, the CEOs who are, are held hostage by a board or biased by a boss, a chair per se, you know, they're, they're kind of suckers and, you know, no offense to those guys, uh, but like, just moving more towards entrepreneurship and, and making your own way. Uh, I've really had that, uh, I guess, coming of age moment these last three or four years. And um, it, it's really a great place to be, you know? Awesome. Well, let's dive into the projects. Um, tell us what is, from when we first met and you weren't, you didn't have any properties. What, what, got in your like what did you have to overcome to get the properties a lot of people come to me like where do i start i don't have any money i don't have i don't have any deals i don't know where to look for deals so like how did you get from that place where everybody starts to your first project and what did your first project look like yeah so my first project was turnkey believe it or not so um it was a hundred thirty five thousand dollar house um my younger brother joel who's my business partner he, you know, incredible work ethic, uh, but, you know, he's got, he's single, you know, no kids, et cetera. And so he, and he's also very handy. So the thought was, was for me to kind of be the, the numbers guy, you know, maybe the deal flow kind of guy. And then Joel would help with ultimate rehab and maintenance and property management, things of that nature. And so Joel had some money, I had some money. And um, I said, dude, we, we, we've got to, we've got to do this one thing. We need proof of concept. You know, let's just put some money together. And then uh, my dad, who I mentioned before, is an entrepreneur, very debt averse, uh, very Dave Ramsey-esque, and believes that all debt is bad and things like that. It's like, well, why don't you just, you know, pay cash for the house and not mortgage it? And then, you know, you're cash flowing, you know, $1,300 a month. And I said, because I want to have of them. Yeah. I said, that's not scalable. And then, you know, I got the quintessential well, what happens when, you know, the toilet overflows at 2 a.m.? What happens when your tenant has three young kids and one of them gets sick and they can't make the rent and you have to evict them on Christmas Eve? You know, do you have the heart for that? And I'm like, Dad, you're thinking about the, every bad thing that could go wrong. Is it a reality? Yes. Okay. Are evictions real? Yes. But I told him, you know, what I would do, Dad, is I would, I would contact some government assistance agency for them. And I'd say, look, my tenants are in dire, dire need of something. I want to continue to help them out, but 
as you know, it's bleeding me dry. You know, we pay taxes for, for reasons like this, right? And so, um, you know, that was my response. And so the very first one, um, we, we rented it out in a day. I had another friend of mine, uh, Anthony Neeson, who was a realtor and also an who helped me get going. And uh, we had some great tenants in there. They stayed for a year at college kids, and then it turned over. And, you know, this was back at, very, at the very beginning of COVID. So my interest rate was like, you know, low threes, even for an investment property. And so, you know, my cash on cash return there, even after reserves was in, in, uh, in excess of 25%. And so, um, and, it's, and it's appreciated since then. And so when I was able to prove that I could manage the tenants, I could screen them, you know, that it was really like mailbox money if you take care of your asset. Then the next step was this burr that we did, and it was in Hammond. And it was a foreclosure. And I had made a few um, cash offers already. You know, my, my dad had agreed to help us out. And, and what money Joel and I did not put into that first deal, you know, we basically put it all into, into this enterprise. And um, I, I had learned real quick that my offers sucked. You know, like I might come in at 85%, but tell them that, you know, I was going to pay cash and I could close next week. Well, that ain't good because I was going against guys who were paying 105% asking price, you know, with cash. So this particular deal was a foreclosure. Uh, I called my realtor the day of, my brother went over there to check it out. And, um, you know, he pulls up in his old truck and, uh, well, he's actually got a really nice truck, but uh, at the time it was an older truck. And there's a Tesla in the driveway. There's an Infinity, you know, huge DX, whatever. And he's like, there's no way we can even compete with these guys, you know, in terms of making an offer. And so I told the realtor to say, look, give them full price. In my experience, the Tesla probably belonged to the tenant. (laughs) Yeah, well said. Well said. So so we we get this property and, um, you know, we were one of 12 offers, I think, and, and my was so surprised. And I really wasn't surprised because I, I knew the game at that point, right? The, the key is, is even in your failures to take something from it and learn from it. Like no failures, only lessons learned. You know, that's one thing that I, that I try to continue to remind myself. And so, you know, my dad and my brother are very handy and, and they, they wanted me to learn how to swing a hammer and all that. And so, you know, got a few injuries on the job site, but, you know, we, we rehabbed it ourselves for, it probably took us like four or five months. And I told myself every weekend, like I'm never doing it again. You know? And so uh, we, we got all into that property for, uh, for 30 grand. Again, we did a lot of the work ourselves, but we made it nice. You know, we made it crown molding and nice backsplash and, uh, you know, change out all the windows and uh, it appraised at 165. I was going for like 155. So, you know, got back about, a, I think, around 125 um, uh, in the cash out refi. So we had five grand stuff in the deal. You know, my, my note on that was um, like in the low sevens, I think maybe 720, and it rents 1400 a month. And so, again, I got all my cash. Is that, seven, and then, is that 720 including insurance and tax? Yes. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. So, so, so my properties are, they, they all cash flow really well. You know, I do have some money, in them, but hopefully on the back end, you know, with the appreciation side, um, I'll be able to, 
um, make up for the money that I have stuck in there. You know what I mean? So uh, after that, you know, we we uh, we picked up two at a time. I had gone probably a year without not a year, but maybe like nine months without really finding any deals. And it was really around the time that we started the meetup. And, you know, at that point, I really opened up my mind to like accepting what comes to me. Like I was doing uh, 75 hard at the time, which, you know, we talked about. And so I'd spend a lot of time in the evenings, especially went to sleep, I'd go on a walk slash run every night. And I'd always listen to a local business podcast or like some other motivational, you know, I listen to your podcast a lot. And um, I thought, man, I just need to go out there a little bit more. And so, you know, our, our boy, Josh Wilson put on that, uh, that event at the Pelicans game and I'm there and I met, you know, a bunch of other high achieving real estate investors. And uh, it just really inspired me to, to, you know, enact more, to interact more Facebook, you know, in those, those groups, right. And, and make new friends and build trust. And so sure enough, you know, these deals started coming to me and the realtor who had sold me the the first deal that was on Sanders, the first burr that we did, you know, they, they came in with a, with a nice off market pocket listing. And so I bought that, bought another one uh, in Ponchatoula that came from a wholesaler and so the next thing you knew, you know, I went from having zero deals in nine months to two in a week. And, you know, you and I had this conversation. I'm like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. And it was so funny because you were so cool under pressure, but you said, just, just buy them both and we'll figure out where to get the money from. And if we get more, if you get more, we'll buy those too. And <laughs> sounds like, you know, so yeah. And, um, and, and wouldn't, you know, these small community banks that, that you deal with and that you turned me on to, you know, that they gave me these subject to uh, subject to appraisal loans to where, you know, I used the cash and I needed it for like 30 days, as long as it would take for the bank to close on my subject to, you know, they would give me 90% loan to cost, which is, you know, the purchase price plus my cost of the rehabs or 80% loan to value. And so that more than covered uh, what, what I would need to cover the purchase price and also the rehab. And my interest rate's like 5%. I think I paid one point at closing, you know, and, and so I was able to keep all my cash. And so now that I kept all the cash, that's how I was able to do this, uh, get this property here under contract in Baton Rouge, which is, you know, eight minutes from my house. And again, I, I'm probably going to have some money stuck in that deal, but it's going to rent at 1800 a month. And my note on it, principal interest taxes and insurance is going to be like 800, you know, and I'll probably have a higher class of tenant. And um, hopefully, you know, if, if, if your listeners outside of Baton Rouge or outside of the state of Louisiana are experiencing the same thing that we are, there's no rentals right now. I don't know why, maybe it's because of the, um, you know, uh, the, the housing shortage at the, at the, at the, retail level, you know, kind of trickling down the fact that lumber prices have been crazy for months and months and people who anticipated being in their new house are still renting. And it's just causing a, a huge crunch on the, on the rentals. But, you know, that first property, that turnkey property that I mentioned, um, I had a realtor list it, you know, sit there, there they'll pay, uh, I'll pay them 60% of the first month's rent to, to list the property, screen the tenants, et cetera. 
and we're charging $1,450 a month, the next highest is $1,300 a month in that neighborhood. So we're charging an extra $150 a month. And we had five showings in the first two days. So it just goes to show that, you know, if you have a nice asset, people are going to live there. You know, just because you didn't maybe rent when you were in your 20s, your 30s, doesn't mean that people don't because they do. And they're, they're good people. They're hardworking people. They just need a safe place to live. So, um, you know, that's why I love real estate. It's, it's a basic tenet of, of being alive, you know, food, yeah. shelter, water. And, you know, it's, it's one of these things that, you know, isn't a commodity, you know, it's a necessity. So. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I say that all the time. It, it's never going to go down to zero, right? Like, you know, we have, we, we, we have stocks and we have cryptocurrencies and like they could go bankrupt at any time. Like the value could literally disappear at no point in, in any type of human history is that house that you just bought in Shenandoah gonna be worth zero dollars. Right. I mean, it might, it might slump, but you know, in some kind of crazy economic condition, but it'll ultimately come back up on the other end. Yeah. And there's multiple exit strategies. You know, my, my two kids, I've got a two-year-old and an eight-month-old, both girls. And, you know, why can't I have a house or a few for each of them? So yeah. let's say it's in Hammond, you know, where Southeastern is. And that's where I went. Um, you know, so you can either live in it, you could sell it, you can cash out refinance, you could rent it out. And Oh, by the way, your college is paid for your college and your and your postgraduate. And so um, it's it's just so cool that, you know, your success pants when you're an entrepreneur and when you're a real estate investor. OK, you put your money into Tesla. Elon Musk makes a stupid tweet and your value goes down 20 percent in a day. You know, whereas when when you are a landlord and you control your asset, like it's in your hands, whether you fail or not, it's your fault. So that's that's one thing that I think is is uh, is also great is it, it, it's control the, the ultimate control, ultimate accountability and being able to write your own destiny. You know? Yeah, absolutely. What is something you've learned in the last year or the last two years that that you like wish you would have known from the beginning? Um, yeah, I think I think it's all about mindset, man. And and more importantly than mindset, it's about surrounding yourself with the people who have the mindset that you want. You know, if if you even have an itch to do something great, because most people don't even have that itch and they can't relate. You know, there are like I mentioned earlier, there are people who have told me, oh, you need to meet so and so. Well, so and so becomes my best friend. You know, because yeah. we, we were on the same we're on the same level of energy. And, um, you know, it's it's about getting in the right arena because it's lonely at the top. You know, from what I hear, you know, I'm not there. But, you know, those people who are uber successful, they want to give back. They want to help out. They're just waiting for you to ask them for help because they don't know that you need help. They don't know that you're even interested in getting help. And so it's just reaching out, like taking that step out of your comfort zone. Again, be vulnerable and seek what you want because it's out there. If out there is doing it, 
they didn't become perfect at it right away. Like you see the finished product. You're comparing your rough draft of your life to their finished product. And it's fair comparison, you know? I do that all the um, time. That, I, look yeah. at, I look at Facebook and see like 53-year-old guys with like all these units and stuff. And I'm like, son of a bitch. And like, they've been doing this for 27 years. I've been doing it for three. You know what I mean? That's it's right. Bad. And, you know, one thing I like to do, especially if I find them on Facebook, and this is kind of like a a, a, a guilty plug, but I'll, I'll click on their profile picture and then just go back in time as far as I could go nice. to see what they look like when, when, when they were my age. Right. <laughs> and like, were they at the bars, you know, were they getting drunk at LSU on a tailgate? It, Cause it, it humanizes them for me. You know, I used to struggle a lot with comparing myself to others and thinking like, why not me? You know, what are they doing that I'm not? And like we talked earlier, it was a scarcity mindset. It was, yeah. oh, Sterling's getting all the houses. Well, what about me? You know, and and flash or uh, fast forward, you know, a year or two. Now Sterling's dishing me some deals that you know he might have five going on, and he doesn't want a six. So I'm going to take the six. Well, I want I'll the happily, six. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'll happily take it because. Um, that's one more than I would have had otherwise, you know? And I mean, I say that all the time and that is a, that is something that, that holds people back. I've heard a lot of people say it at the meetups. So like, well, you're getting all the deals. I'm like, well, I'm not getting all of them. There's a lot. And, and for me and for other investors spoken to, like it's, it's seasonal. It, you know, like right now, if, if a deal came across my desk that I needed to close on next week, I would turn it down, even if it was a great deal. Um, because I've got, uh, you know, I got five closings this month and I just, it, it would stretch me too far, but next month, you know what I mean? I would take three of them. And so, and that, and that's exactly what happened the other day with that deal down the street from our house was like, it was just the timing didn't work out with me. I, I would have loved to have bought that deal, but like that happens all the time. That happens like every other month, like you load it up and then you have to like fix them up and refinance them and get them off the books. And there's, there's, there's dead time. So like, don't ever be like, Oh, well, Sterling's just going to buy them all or blah, blah, blah. just going to buy them all. So I might as well quit and go home. Cause like, that's, that's not the case. Like mm-hmm. 50% of the time, every deal that pops up, I, I can't buy. Right. Yeah. And, and you're discounting the fact that your competition, you know, the people, the other people who might want to buy that house, maybe they're involved in an apartment deal or maybe they're involved in a warehouse deal or, you know, maybe they just did a cash out refi and, you know, they've got a million dollars that they're going to live off of and they're going to chill out, you know, and enjoy the next few months. It's, it's such a debilitating mindset to think, Oh, that won't be me. You know, I, I'll never, I'll never seal the deal, you know, because you can. And the way that you seal the deal is through relationships. You put your passion in the world and someone is going to want to fulfill that for you because that's ultimately like the purpose of life. Like humans are social beings, like I said before. And so, um, you know, I would say it's important for new investors to to get motivated and stay motivated. You know, find an accountability partner. Uh, You know, I talk on the phone probably two hours a night with, with different people. And it drives my wife insane. I have to go outside because I speak so loud. Um, <laughs> but, but when I talk on the phone, 
you know, I'm talking to entrepreneurs and guys who take risks and, and people who are dealing with road bumps and, and I'm able to kind of talk them through it. And they're able to talk me through, through mine as well. And so, um, you know, I, I made a post about this a while back on my Instagram, like just sitting back and reflecting, you know, all of my friends are in their thirties, let's say early thirties, late thirties, whatever. And they're all millionaires in different ways. And, you know, I, I could easily surround myself with people, you know, who make 50 in their 20s and then 150 in their 30s and then 250 in their 40s and then 350 in their 50s and, you know, work for the man their whole life and then sit back and say, man, I, I had a good life, you know, but with those eight to 10 hours every day that you spent, you know, the fact that you spend more time at work than you spend with your family, like, what did that cost you? You know, and so I've been able to kind of step back and say, look, it ain't about the money for me right now. Like, I want to hang out with my kids. I want to hang out with my wife and my parents. And, you know, but at the same time, I want to surround myself. I want to do it with the people that I love, you know, the, the entrepreneurs, the guys who take risks. And so that that's really been transformational for me. It's no longer about the only about the money. You know, I'll happily live in my, you know, 2000 square foot house for another three, four years. I don't need 4,000 square feet. feel about that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, you know, she's starting to get it too. As a stay-at-home mom, you know, that was a big thing. It was, you know, do you want to have a a 400, uh, you know, a a $600,000 house or do you want to watch your kids grow up? You know, that's what it came down to. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and, and so many things that are right, like there, you know, you, you talk a lot about mindset. I've always been uh, a big proponent of that because like that, that really is the differentiator, right? Um, I used to hear this quote about, you know, if, if knowledge was the answer, we'd all be billionaires with six pack abs. And there's like, there's so many people that have so much education and like most people know how to do it. Like, like mechanically, I have a lot of friends they are like, yeah, I get the process. I'm like, well, then why aren't you doing it? Like, I just don't, I don't I mean, you know how I get, I, I'm just like, what's wrong with you? Why, like, why, why do you want to work 40 hours a week for the rest of your life? That's insane. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's the mindset that, that they need to push through the fear to take the, the actions and take the steps. It's the, you know, building the obsession. Um, the other thing is about the money. People don't realize I, I had this conversation a lot because with my family, people think I'm, I'm like obsessed with getting rich and I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm obsessed with like not working and like having my life back, you know, like I work yeah. 80 hours a week now so that like for the next 30 years, like, like people don't understand that. Do you know, like, like retiring 25 years early is like adding 25 years to the end of your life. Like, like That's right. I mean, dude, think about the grind. Think about the the uh-huh. the forty hour work week. You you you're waking up every morning. You sit in traffic, late to work, getting moaned at by your boss all day on the in the cubicle. And in the afternoon, you're so damn tired, you can't talk to anybody. And like you're like living for the weekend. And I mean, mm-hmm. dude, if you erase that shit, like like literally just wipe out the last twenty five years of it by retiring at forty instead of sixty five, which most you know most people are going to be retiring at when they're dead now, but yeah, like, like that is it. It's literally cutting, cutting off and pasting it to and and, but it's better than adding 25 years to the end of your life because you, you're actually young enough to enjoy it. Right. Like, like 
living to 125 instead of 100 doesn't like sound that enticing because you're yeah. you know you can't do shit <laughs> but like like having all that extra time all that extra life um when you're yeah you're it's your prime enjoy. too exactly it, like like 40 to 65 has got to be your prime i mean you're rich enough to do whatever you want you've got 40 years of history of making mistakes of of, of knowing what not to do and you know i I think someone on your podcast might have mentioned it or maybe somewhere somewhere else, but you know, humans by nature are are just seeking comfort. You know, they're they're Avoiding seeking pain the seeking comfort. Yeah, they're, they're just they're just looking at the easiest way to get something done, whatever shortcut it is, you know, in order to for your brain to sit back and and conserve energy because they might need it one day. You know, fight or flight, if, if we get under attack, you know, your brain needs that energy to find a way out. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that we don't live that way anymore. OK, we are blessed to live in the U.S. of A., you know, the best country there is. And, and my we, editor to play the Star Spangled <laughs> Banner. Give you should. And put the big like General Patton uh, <laughs> flag behind me. You know, uh, but but it's true. And, and I say that half jokingly because like some of my best friends are immigrants from Nepal, from Venezuela, from uh, Palestine, you know, from Brazil. And we take so much for granted here that, you know, it it's sickening to take a step back and look and see how much opportunity we have as Americans and and how, you know, we're in the greatest you know, economy of the world. And, and so many people are sitting back making excuses why they can't make something work. You know, like take, take the guy who moved here, you know, from Venezuela, knowing nobody and, you know, had to do a student visa. And then he didn't get selected for the, for the, uh, for the lottery for his work visa. So we had to go back to school to uh, enroll in a master's program just so that he didn't get deported. You know, you take somebody like that, and put him in a real estate world and he's going to crush it, you know, or take any contractor here in town who's a first generation American, like those guys are crushing it. And, um, you know, all this to say that, you know, just get motivated, you know, look at what, what you have in front of you, you know, find someone with money, you know, it doesn't have to be someone who's just crushing it, you know, lives on Highland road, which is, you know, the best place to live in Baton Rouge. Um, you know, it could be your grandmother's IRA, you know, who, who could help you fund a deal, buy it in cash. You know, it could be in the sticks of Livingston Parish, which is around here. It could be anywhere. But the key is, you know, the best piece of advice that I got, I got it from you and I got it from my buddy Assis. It's just do it, man. If you fail, it's not a matter of, of if you make your money back, but when. Oh, and by the way, you just learned in three, four, five months time what it would have taken you, like you, you lived it, right? So you learned it. It would have taken you three years to get that knowledge from talking to people, listening to podcasts, reading books, et cetera. So, you know, it's a very short-minded step to just say, well, what if it goes wrong? You know, like, well, what if you never take action and you're in the same spot five years from now? You know, that's the real scary part is that is what it would look like if you don't take action. So if, if there's anybody listening to this who, who is looking for motivation, like do just do it. Yeah. I was having a, a conversation with my mom earlier about 
um, she was telling me to slow down. Everybody around me is always telling me to slow down. And she was like, well, what if, you know, the, the, the political environment and the economy and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, hold on. I, people always like to kind of push this, this risk on me. But in reality, like the guy with one income is a lot more at risk than the guy with 50. Right. Well so, said. You know what I yeah. mean? Like there's an economic downturn, like you're going to lose your W2 job. And then you're like, literally have zero income. Like I got it coming from every which direction. Like, that's right. I think, and, and, I think maybe y'all need to worry about like, if that's what y'all are worried about, go, you need to get your own shit straight. Yeah. Well, and I had the same conversation with my dad last night, you know, he, he's one that, that I always bounce ideas off of and same thing. What happens if the economy turns, you know, and, and, and housing values uh, plummet. And I said, dad, I don't care. Yeah. Okay. I, said, I said, first of all, I've got fixed debt. Okay. 30 year fixed. But second of all, if it went so bad that the bank wanted my asset, okay, what are they going to do? They're going to take my asset. They're going to try to sell it. Right. They're going to try to sell it for more than the loan that's on it. Who's going to buy it? Who, 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 would yeah. buy such a depressed asset at that time. Do you know what I mean? The and bank doesn't want that. your asset. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know? So I, uh, I was, you know, she was like, she was like uh, talking about, you know, like a severe type of like almost like post-apocalyptic type environment where like the banks are, are, are calling 30 year fixed rate loans and stuff for every homeowner in America. I'm like, if that's the environment we're in, like we, we need to be talking about gold and guns and like stored food. You know what I mean? Right. It's like the, my, my mortgage is to the last of our works. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And I'm no economist. And like I said, I'm a CPA, but this isn't accounting advice and I'm not a lawyer either. The fact of the matter is, and I forgot to mention this earlier, I went to Bigger Pockets Conference here in, in September in New Orleans, and that was a very eye-opening experience. Also, the, the event that we we went to in Orlando was a very uh, the multifamily uh, master's program was was really an awesome experience. But but there was an economist there and he really had me thinking, OK, middle America's 401ks are prop are propping up the market and they will forever because if the government allows the markets to fail consistently for years and years on end, then they're bankrupting middle America. And everybody knows that middle America is the backbone of society. OK, so in my mind, OK, we might have a correction, but it can't it can't be sustainable. The government will continue to change the rules to print more money, et cetera, just to keep propping the economy up. And maybe that's a, an overly um, optimistic look at it. But at, at best, OK, that's what's going to happen. At worst, it's going to be the same as, as we are now. It's status quo. Absolutely. So real quick, for the sake of time, let's hop to yeah. the roll radio, uh, to the, the radio round. Uh, just three quick questions. Um, first one is, what's your favorite book? Uh, my favorite book is uh, A New Earth, Awakening to Your Life's Purpose. It's by Eckhart Tolle, who is a, uh, a modern day philosopher. And it's all based on the ego in terms of understanding how the ego drives humanity and, and how to deal with you know, egomaniacs and, and checking your own ego, you know, kind of letting go with, you know, your connection to, to things and instead just kind of like spreading positive vibes. You know, I, I read, I was, uh, I was gifted the book when I was in high school and I didn't really take it seriously, 
But when I was in college, I had a really bad knee injury, you know, ended my football career. And, and, I, and then after that, I read that book because for so long, I had identified as being, you know, an athlete and, you know, all that. And all of a sudden it was taken away from me. And I really had to look within to say, okay, well, really, who am I? You know, I'm not, a, I'm not just a football player. And as of now, I'm not just an investor. You know, I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm a son, et cetera. I'm a brother. And so really just diving into to who you really are and, and what is your purpose? You know, the purpose to me is just to be happy. Do whatever it is that makes you happy. So uh, yeah, that's a long answer for my favorite book. But I also love children's books. You know, I love Dr. Seuss. You know, I read my daughter, <laughs> Oh, the Places You'll Go, and it just fires me up, you know, because it talks about just taking control of your life, you know, and uh, and I'm not going to lie, you know, having kids it has really expanded my motivation because, you know, you, you watch a movie with your kid like Moana and, you know, she just went out and did it. You know, I mean, you know, hey, it's, some, it's some of those do be hitting different. Huh? <laughs> yeah, it really do. Yeah. So what's your favorite quote? I have a lot of favorite quotes, man. But but one that really speaks to me right now is uh, is the man in the arena quote by Theodore Roosevelt. And, um, you know, I could read it It'd take me a few seconds or I'll give you the cliff notes. And, and um, the cliff notes are essentially like it's not the critic who counts. That's how it starts. And and towards the end, you know, they, they talk about how, you know, the guy who puts himself out there, who takes chances, who fails, who who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. And it's just about putting yourself out there and forgetting what the critics say, okay? Because if they're critiquing you, like their opinion doesn't matter. You know, they're cold and timid souls who neither know victory or defeat. I would rather go down swinging. You know what I mean? So uh, that's a quote that's important to me right now. Cool, cool. What's your favorite thing to do outside of work? Um, hang out with my wife and kids. You know, uh, I got two young girls. We go to the park a lot. Um, as soon as they get old enough, we're going to go on a lot of bike rides. You know, we, we ride all around Baton Rouge, LSU, going to Mandeville, the North Shore. Um, just, you know, ride the trace down there and uh, just spend as much time outside as possible when uh, the weather isn't, you know, unbearingly. Yeah, for so. sure. Well, how can our listeners get in touch with you, find out more about you, invest in all these cool projects you got? Yeah, so uh, I'm on Instagram, you know, a small amount of followers on, on my business page, but it's um, Roberts Brothers Investments. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-S for Roberts Brothers Investments. Uh, we we, we kind of give a chronology of our projects and, you know, how they're moving. Uh, my personal Instagram is J underscore Rob underscore 40. 40 was my number in college. And I'm um, pretty active on Facebook. You know, John Roberts Jr. Uh, check out our meetup at the uh, uh, the Red Stick Rita. And um, chances are, if you follow, you'll see me liking a lot of his posts. <laughs> so, um, you know, feel free to connect with me on any of those platforms. You know, I, I do get, uh, I'm happy to, do you want to, to share any of your 56 emails? Yeah, exactly. So uh, the, the easiest email to, to reach me is going to be uh, John, J-O-H-N, at 
APS, that's uh, Alpha Paul Sam dash LA.com. John at APS LA.com. Um, that's probably the easiest email address. Um, also, my, my accounting firm is called Attract Accounting Solutions. That's Attract with two C's because I wanted the ACCT yeah, suffix, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and I, I'm really going to build a brand around that, you know, in terms of, um, you know, helping companies with their with their books and and being kind of a relatable resource to them to navigate, you know, all the things that a typical business owner doesn't want to worry about, right? Is is their finances and you know, being able to build trust, give guidance. You know, like I said, I spent years in public accounting, spent years in private equity, uh, learning how the richest people in, in Baton Rouge do it. And uh, you know, I'm ready to share that with others. So um, all of those ways to uh, contact me. Awesome. Well, thanks, John. I appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to keeping up with you on your journey. All right. Thanks. Thanks again, Sterling, for having me. Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Crestworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at RentRollRadio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at RentRollRadio.com or sterling at CrestworthCapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing.